either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Apologies for the absence last week, but we're back. I'm glad you're back. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. Uh, back in time to check out a couple of big movies mm-hmm. this week and some smaller ones, too. Definitely worth checking out. Let's start with where else than the next installment of the Scream franchise. The survivors of the ghost face killings leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh new chapter in New York City. It's Scream 6. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello. Let's play a game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. I'm something different. That's why I'm going to shoot you in the head. Now, this is from the filmmakers behind the last installment, mm-hmm. uh, which which was just called Scream. Yes. Right? Directors Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette, and writers James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. And they were also behind Ready or Not. So now we enjoyed the last what what would have been would have been Scream Five mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. we enjoyed that one yes and they are back and ready or not and ready or not too mm-hmm. and they are back for this one and yeah move, everything moves to New York and I think overall even though we think this is fun it's fun for the franchise we both think it's a little bit of a step down from Part Five oh sure yeah absolutely and one of the things that we were talking about earlier is that and we said this actually the last time when the reboot came out is that the Scream franchise is maybe. The strongest of all the slasher franchises in that not one of the films is really bad. Right. You know, not one. And they all uh, they all make sense. They carry a through line that they don't drop and go in a completely weird direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing. No, they've been. It's been a strong, strong franchise. And that's one of the things that this movie takes up is the idea of a franchise. Right. Because from the very beginning, back to the very first scream, it was such a clever idea to get inside the rules, you know, the meta nature oh, yeah. of, of horror movies and really feed the love of the entire genre for the people that do love them. Yeah. And uh, so then the second one, of course, yeah. was about sequels. sequels. It was the, and then the, you know, the third and fourth were a little bit murkier. Well, the third was about about trilogies. And then the fourth one was really about um, online um, and and uh, found footage mm-hmm. and things like that. And then, of course, the the last one came back strong with the reboot and all of the rules of the reboot. Right. And so this one is about franchises. I feel like that's almost a sort of uh, tacked on. I don't think that they really embrace that in the in the clever ways that they have in the previous yeah. installments. I think there are areas in this one that feel a little bit like like treading water a bit because everything yeah, everything moves to New York, and you've got the two sisters, Sam and Tara. And they are, it's basically in college. It's a college yes. setup. Yeah. Col- I forget the name of the college. Blackmore, Blackmore, I think, is the name of the college. And so, much like Laverne and Shirley, mm-hmm. their friends moved with them. Yes. So you've got the, what they call the core four. Right. You've got them back together. Um, and then, of course, the ghost face killings follow them. So you've got a brand new group of bodies, starting with, I will say, we both like the opening segment of this 
movie. Yes. Uh, it's it's cleverly and differently done yeah. than the others. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, from the very first episode, the the way these films open is always such a fun bit of entertainment. And I really, and you know, and that, that makes, obviously, each new episode tough, a tough hurdle, because you've got to figure out a new and interesting way to do it. Yeah, it's and almost, be- re- yeah, it's almost become really like the James Bond thing, yes. where you know you're going to have something yeah. first mm-hmm. before we get to the main part of the movie. And yeah, and this one is good. Um, so, so it's a good start, and then, like we said, in, in New York, the, the bodies start piling up, and it all sort of points back to Sam, because as we learned in the last one, I don't think this is a spoiler here to say, that she is the daughter of Billy Loomis. Right. And so they're trying to make you think, well, bloodlines of a serial killer, does she have that urge? And she has become sort of a villain in social media circles. This character inside the movie, people look at her as a as a villain. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is, I think, more than the franchise thread. That is the thread they sort of pick up is how easy it is to turn public opinion against a person, mm-hmm. but with a, uh, you know, with a, a covert social media campaign. Um, and um, one of the other things I think that this movie has going for it is that the the four characters who move w- with the franchise, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the of the lead, but I Melissa think, Barrera, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the other three, they were great characters last time, and they continue to be great characters this time. They're funny, they're fun, mm-hmm. they can withstand a beating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jenna Ortega, yeah, of, course, of course, everybody loves her right now for good reason. Also, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who plays Mindy, who yeah. was a standout in the last she one, she's also was. very good, and she's really the one that keeps everybody up to date on the rules, right? And reminds people now that we're in a franchise, mm-hmm. so it's different rules. So, so that's fun. That's always been a fun part of this of this entire series of films. Um, and then they do something, and this is not a spoiler either, because they show it in the in the trailer is where they get to what what the character calls a shrine, Mm -hmm. a shrine to the ghost face killings, which I thought was a bit ironic because this movie sort of feels like a shrine to not only the Scream movies, but a lot of other horror movies as well. And that's all well and good. I just think there was some opportunity to be more meta with that than they than they were. I thought, okay, is that part of the meta nature of this movie? And I don't think it was, although it maybe should have been. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that I I personally, it's almost like when you watch Cabin in the Woods and that that uh, elevator scene, and you're looking at all oh. of it. You know, I wanted to spend 25 more minutes in the elevator. <laughs> yeah. That's what when I, when we got to the shrine. I wanted to be able to go myself yeah, yeah. and just spend some time reading and looking at these drawings and seeing all this stuff, which I think is cool because it reminds you how much you like this franchise. But yeah. I, do, I do feel like they maybe dropped the ball there. That seemed like it could have been a lot more it's fun. A little bit. That mm-hmm. was one of the things where it seemed to tread water a little bit for me. Also, I think when it got to the final reveal, it yeah. keeps you guessing it in, a, in a decent way. It does. And I will say, just like the last one, part five, the blood. I mean, they they don't shy away from the from the goriness. I think the last one was maybe a little bit more gore, but uh, and that's that's a fine part of it yeah, too. Yeah. But when it gets to the final reveal, I thought there was a little bit more Scooby Doo talking in this yeah. one that I'm really love. And I and I don't think it was necessary. I think that there was more exposition in that mm-hmm. final reveal than there are in the other five, and yeah. more than we needed. I think yeah. we got it. Yeah. But uh, but it but it still is fun. It is, and fun. it's not a letdown. Like you said, it's a strong 
franchise. Yeah. Six films in, yeah. it is a strong and clever franchise, and it continues to be. Just for the two of us, it was just a bit of a step down from the last one, which we both enjoyed a lot. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't think we're done by any means, oh, because I, I think imagine. this is going to do quite well, which means there'll be more. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, and that is Scream 6 in theaters. Oh, and I should say, too, somebody asked me this morning on the morning show, the radio show, the guy, uh, one of the hosts of the show, had has only seen the very first Scream. Wow. And so people want to say, will I be lost? Well, there's a character. There's one returning character, um, Hayden Panettiere. She, she two. That's right, two returning characters. And then they make reference to several others. So there are some references that you won't know and some connections mm-hmm. to other characters, but I think you'll still have fun with it. Yeah, you know, now that you say that, they do make a lot more, there's a lot more cross-pollination in this yeah. one than there are in the other ones, where they really, you know, they do mention characters and scenes they do. and things from all of the other five films, more yeah. than the other five films ever did. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's one that you should stay away from if no. you want to just get into it and enjoy, no. but but it's going to it's gonna be, more, you're going to appreciate it more if you have seen them all and know all right. the connections between those characters. I thought you were going to say he, he asked if there were boobs. Isn't that what he usually asks that's you? That's the other guy. The other guy, okay. <laughs> there are no boobs. There are no boobs. <laughs> uh, that's the other guy, but th- your, your point is well taken. Uh, so that is Scream. Six. It's still a fun part of the franchise. It continues to hold up very well since that very first one. Incredible. Scream 6 in all the theaters now. And the other big one in movie theaters this week is an astronaut crash landing on a mysterious planet only to discover he's not alone. Adam Driver in 65. We must get to an escape vessel. Escape pods. Location unknown. We need to be quiet. Quiet. And move. I need to get us home. Home. Ready? Run! Okay, this one, well, both the writers and the directors, uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, they were the writers of the first A Quiet Place. Yes, they were. And one of the things I love about this movie, it's a very simple B-movie. It's a creature feature. It knows what it's doing. It gets right to it. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So, and so, Adam Driver, there's a, a very, very brief sort of prologue where you get a sense of Adam Driver prior to the launch of this space mission. And to be honest with you, it gives you more information than you need. There's text on screen. There's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation. It, it's not necessary. You, you get it. So that's a little bit of a disappointment right at the very beginning. But, man, once they land, which is not very far into the movie, it's great. Well, I mean, great might be a strong word, but it's very entertaining. It's very enjoyable. And part of the reason that it's better than it ought to be is because it's Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. He's such a good actor. He He's so effortlessly realistic that... No matter how ridiculous the film is, you completely believe it because mm-hmm. it's Adam Driver in the middle. And um, what happens is he believes that <clears throat> all of the all of the all the passengers who are asleep in their cryogenic chambers, they've all uh, died. He thinks that they're all just scattered about this planet, just crushed and dead. And he gets a little beak beacon that lets him know that one survived. He goes and finds, and it's a nine year old girl, mm-hmm. and she doesn't speak the same language as him because she's from some other part of his planet, so they can't really converse. So again, it's mainly just Adam Driver. 
he's got this little girl, but she doesn't really talk to him. So there's that. It reminds me, it's like, it's why isn't Pedro Pascal? I feel like it should be Pedro Pascal right now trying to get a child who's not really his child out of danger. For some reason, the whole world needs that right now. But Adam Driver, he's a great great stand-in for Pedro Pascal in this movie. He's really good. Always. Yes, he is always really good. The dinosaurs look good. We could have used a couple more. I mean, I feel like there could have been some more dinosaurs. And by the way, just for equal time, the girl on the same radio morning show, she wanted to know if he takes his shirt off. He does not. So, so yeah. just a little no. equal time. It is, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And he, he handles the action well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the last time he took his shirt off, it was also in more of an action movie when right. he's playing Kylo Ren. Actually, he does... When he puts a, the helmet on for a second uh, in this movie, but it's not. It's nothing like Kylo right, Ren's helmet. Right. But... You know, it's a, it's an action movie. He handles the action very well. Well, um, and the other thing that you mentioned about the pace, it's also just 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's got a good pace, and mm-hmm. you're in and out, mm-hmm. and also it's dinosaurs. Yeah. And so the first thing, at least for me, and I think you too, we talk about dinosaurs. We want to know, how does the CGI hold up? Because the, the, the bar is still the original Jurassic Park, yes. is it not? Yes. And that's a long time ago. Right. That's still the bar. It is. Of course, that's partly because it wasn't entirely CGI. He had puppets as well. True. So you, you animate animatronics and CGI together made for a masterpiece of a dinosaur movie and they're great. they're fine. They're you know, you get your you get your your you know, your superstars, your T Rexes mm-hmm. and your whatnots. There are a couple Your starting lineup. Exactly. But there's I think for me, right, the the MVP are these dinosaurs. I don't even know what they are. They're they're quadrupeds. They're on all fours. Yeah. They're super creepy yeah. and they're like slithery, but they're huge. Uh-huh. Very scary. Scary but, you know, creepy. Um and then there's a lot. It's like the whole time that they're on this planet, you think, they're just food. They're just going to be food. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, you know, it, it does what it needs to do. Right. It executes on a pretty simple premise. Mm-hmm. I got to say, on the level of contrivance, their timing was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but they don't it's just a big land. Day. They land on a big on day. On a big day for big the dinosaurs. Day. 65 uh, million years yeah. ago. What happened? Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the thing. It's 65 million. It's a whole million years, and they just picked the one day. But still, <laughs> nonetheless, yes, there are a lot of contrivances, but it is. it is. It's a pretty simple premise. It's executed well. Yep. It's, it's Solid fun. B movie. Exactly. Yep. A solid B movie. Yeah. Exactly. Gets up in boogies and out in 90 minutes. So if you like that creature feature and, and Adam Driver, there you go. It's in theaters now called 65. Well, let's dial things down for an Oscar-nominated drama next. Set in rural Ireland in 1981, a neglected girl is sent away from her dysfunctional family to live with foster parents for the summer. She blossoms in their care. But in this house where there are meant to be no secrets, she discovers one. It is the quiet girl. She'll work her. She'll head you a house and home. Oh, don't we all eat in spurts, same as we grow? We keep the child gladly. This is from writer-director Colm Barade, and he is adapting a short story by Claire Keegan and it's just it's a beautiful movie not only is it it's Oscar nominated Sunday in the international mm-hmm. uh, film category because even though you heard in that trailer that we just played a little bit of um, English there is a little bit of English in this movie but the majority of it is in the Irish language so and, it's the first Oscar yeah. nominee ever to be in the Irish yeah. language yeah amazing so uh, man I think it's got a good shot it's just a beautiful beautiful movie another international 
uh, movie uh, international film nominee for Sunday, along with Close that we talked about right. a couple of weeks ago, that's led by a debut from a child yeah. who's great. Yeah. And in in this uh, instance, and in this instance, the young girl is Catherine Clinch. And she, this is her debut, and she plays Kate, who is this girl who's very shy and introverted and living with her, her, her natural family, dysfunctional family. And yeah, she's sent away to live with, quote, her mother's, some of her mother's people uh, for the summer out in a country, very nice farmhouse. And it's just this middle-aged couple, and that's it, in their farm. And uh, she, she's never met them before. They haven't met her. They've known of her because she's family. But uh, right away, they accept her, and especially the mother uh, figure, uh, played by Carrie Crowley, who's also great, treats the young girl with such a, an, an unconditional acceptance mm-hmm. and affection that the girl begins to come out of her shell a little bit, begins to blossom. And it's, it's a wonderful, two wonderful performances and a great uh, character relationship as it's built by the uh, director's patience and pace and wrapping all of it in such a tenderness and a stillness that lets it develop. And, and then, like the synopsis said there, when um, the mother figure tells her that there there's be no secrets in this house, when there are secrets, there is shame, well, Kate discovers there is a secret that has been permeating this farmhouse, and, and then it, it changes things a little bit. But it's just... It's a beautiful movie. It is a heart tugger to oh, the yeah. nth bring degree. Your Kleenex, <laughs> bring man. your bring them. Kleenex because it especially leads to the end. the The final scene is just quietly, no, very, very little dialogue, but quietly, emotionally devastating, but in a beautiful way. And it's filmed in Ireland. Mm-hmm. The, the landscapes are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned the Irish language, and it's just one of those that moves at its own pace. It's so gentle. It's so tender about these two characters who are who are, are hurt, and they're finding a way, their, their tentative nature about opening their hearts. They feel safe about opening their hearts to each other right. and get some healing, mm-hmm. and their, their journey to doing that. It's just lovely, just lovely, lovely film, and I wish it all the luck on Sunday, and hopefully if it's in your area, definitely check it out because it's a beautiful movie. Out now and wider release just in time for its big night on Sunday called The Quiet Girl. New comedy next from one half of the Fairley brothers. A former minor league basketball coach is ordered by the court to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities. He soon realizes that despite his doubts, together this team can go further than they ever imagined. This is Champions. Remember Marcus Markovich? You gotta make that! Marcus, get off the court. Well, he got fired. I will offer you community service. Coaching adults with intellectual disabilities. I'm new to all this. Yeah, I can tell. I don't know if you're brave or crazy. You're just one win away from the Special Olympics tournament. But I know this is your shot at being champions. I think I've sprained my finger. So this is directed by Bobby Farrelly, out on his own after mm-hmm. a few years ago. Peter Farrelly scored big with Green Book, even right. though we didn't care for it. It nope. won an Oscar. He did. And uh, the writer is Mark Rizzo, but this is an adaptation of a Spanish hit a few years ago called Campiones. Mm-hmm. Did I pronounce that right? Mm-hmm. And Will, uh, Will Farrell, no, Woody Harrelson <laughs> is in the lead. Uh, he's got experience with basketball movies. That's right. He's in the lead as this coach who gets court a court-appointed sentence to take over this team. And he's a little bit. Uh, uh, playing a similar role to the one that he played um, in the what was the bowling movie Kingpin? Kingpin, right? Yeah, where he he doesn't really want to be there, but he's there and he's doing his bit, but he's you know not very PC and probably shouldn't be there. And the movie 
Um, Matt Wiener reviewed this one for us, and I think it's one because it's a Farrelly and because of the context, you go in sort of cringing like, oh, God, right. where is this going to go? I think it sort of tries to be a modern-day Bad News Bears, right? And that's the setup of the Bad News Bears, essentially, and this is trying to be the same thing. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's um, it's it's pretty middling. I mean, there are many, uh, there are some great things about it, including a couple of the performances. Yeah. Primarily from the actors who do, in fact, have uh, disabilities. Yeah, and then the the uh, female love interest oh, yes. of Woody's character is played by Caitlin Olson, right? Who you would know if you watch uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. And she's great in this. Very good. She's very great, good. Yeah. And they have a great chemistry. But mm-hmm. you're right. A lot of the actors, the team is played by actors mm-hmm. with the intellectual disabilities. And in that way, Matt especially thought that the movie felt like a step forward socially. Right. In like making this just because, well, of course we would. Exactly. Why wouldn't we? You right. know, getting closer to that day. Well, well, yes, that's of course that's what we do. We wouldn't do anything else. But yet comedically, he didn't think it, it was that funny. Maybe no. a the, the humor of at least one half of the Farrelly's, and it is worth pointing out that he didn't write this, no. took a little step back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fine, but not great. And it's yeah. not going to be a laugh out loud thing. But, you know, a lot of these sports movies, they're fun to, to uh, you know, cheer on the team, even if you, you think still, you know where it's going. But still, the comedy is a little cringy. Yeah, a little, a little cr- cringy. A little, a little tone deaf at times. Yeah, but, uh, but still can be nice to see it cast the way it should be cast. Exactly. And uh, and adapting this Spanish film from a few years back. And that was in that one's in wide release now. Also features um, Ernie Hudson in the mm-hmm, cast mm-hmm. and Cheech. Yeah. Cheech Marin is Cheech in this Marin. as well. And that is out now called Champions. Hey, how about back to Ireland? Yes, Irish horror. Married couple Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of a rural Ireland only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. It's unwelcome. Is anyone there? I can't be scared. Not in my own house. Don't leave your missus alone with the lads. This is from director John Wright, who did Grabbers. Yay! Which I think for our money, we are huge fans of Irish horror in particular, but I think we both say Grabbers is the best. It's certainly the most fun. Well, it's a comedy as well. It's an an Irish comedy. You loved it. Mm -hmm. Loved it. This one... I think we both think it would have been better if it had leaned in to the comedy a little bit more because he co-writes this and he directs it. But I wouldn't call it a comedy, although there's at least one instance where I laughed out loud. Yeah, there are very few funny moments in it. And it actually opens uh, very differently. It's, it opens like a, you know, a, there's a big difference really between Irish horror and British horror. And British horror very often is gritty and, and tends toward a fear of the, you know, sort of roving young thug. And that's how this opens, very brutally, actually. Yeah. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a very different movie from Grabbers. Yeah. So after a, a couple, that uh, on the very at the very moment that they find out they're pregnant, um, there's a break-in, they're beaten brutally, and then the next thing, the next, when we check back with them, 
they've inherited a cottage in mm-hmm. Ireland. So they're moving. And then everything about the movie changes. It's beautiful. It's outdoors. This, it just It's like you said, the, the scenery is mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's yeah. absolutely stunning. But there, there's a rule that comes with this cottage <laughs> that they've inherited right. from, from his aunt. Mm-hmm. And that is... You gotta leave a little meat out on the uh, out on the gate out back between your house and the woods. You gotta leave a little meat every day for the little and people. And you cannot forget. No, because then they're hungry. And they're hungry. Yeah. And, and of, of course, she forgets. She does. Well, they. I mean, they blow it off a little bit, mm-hmm. like because you know, what are they leprechauns? And they don't really believe Maeve, the neighbor who's telling them to leave this blood sacrifice out. And but eventually. Um, they're, they realize that there's good reason to leave that meat out. And all of that, I think, works well enough. I think all of that really does. That, of course, if you did inherit this house, you wouldn't put meat out for the little people. You know, like all of that. But then logic seems to just seep away from this film and its lead characters. Yeah, and then they have a big, another layer to the story when... There's some damage. There's some things about the house that need fixing. So they hire this local Irish family, to a father and his two kids, a, a man and a woman, to fix it. And Cole Meany is mm-hmm. the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always good to see him. Yes, it and is. And they are just, they're a problem. Yes. They are a problem. And that brings in a layer of, of course, the the age-old conflict between the English and the Irish. Yeah. They are resentful from the get-go oh, yeah. about this company, especially about this uh, couple, especially the two kids. And they just continue to cause problem after problem. And, you know, I think most of that works. Honestly, I think that Cole Meany and his family are the best thing about this movie. They're so, they're funny, um, they're scary, and they're, they're, they're agents of chaos. Mm-hmm. And so they keep you very on edge. And I think it's the best comedic element and the best horrifying element of the movie. And then, of course, there are the little people, the goblins, and they look pretty good. They don't look bad. Yeah. They're funny. Um, and and I, horrific at the same time. And I think once Maya goes through the little doorway into the the, the secret forest, the mm-hmm. secret garden, mm-hmm. if you right, will, right. where they live, that's shot pretty well. It is. I, I like that. The yeah. otherworldly about otherworldly nature about it. But yeah, overall, some of the decisions. It's a mess. And I know in the horror movies, characters often make some stupid decisions. But the logic doesn't always follow here. And I just thought there was a an opportunity for to lean into the to the yeah. comedy mm-hmm. more of it than, than it did. So so all in all, not great, but uh, definitely some decent yeah, it's not terrible. aspects about yeah. this about this film. And it is out in theaters now called And on VOD. Both. And on VOD. Mm-hmm. All right. Irish horror, we always like it, called Unwelcome. Got a drama next on VOD. Jim is preparing for his first professional fight, but begins to rethink his life's trajectory and his sexuality after tangling with Wetu a gay Maori boy who spends his days in an old shack down by the beach. This is called Punch. Eyes up, eyes up. Do you want this boxing thing? I do. Dad, you're all I've got. You can't go around being the victim your whole life. Nobody cares that you're gay. You're my boy, is that that nothing to you now? You can't just push everything away from him. You're worth more, mate. a little secret you and me you think you want to be mates but you're too scared this is from this is a new zealand film from writer director welby ings and stars one of the stars is tim roth yeah christy rob reviewed this one for us and it does a lot of things in an interesting way it's a small town film that kind of 
re-looks at masculinity in particular as uh, uh, Tim Roth plays a, an alcoholic who used to be a boxer and he's training his son and his son is about to become perhaps a really good boxer. And um, But he starts to have feelings for this other kid in town. And what it does is really highlight, emphasizes especially in a small town, how problematic racism and homophobia can be, particularly to somebody who is coming of age. And, you know, it's got some great intentions and, uh, and it's got some good performances. Uh, Tim Roth is, is a little, a lot, the thing is a lot of the most emotional scenes do not feel earned. Mm-hmm. The film isn't, it just doesn't hold together that well. The direction is not as solid as it could be. And the two, the two main young men performances, Jordan Oosterhoff and Conan Hayes, are the two young boys. And, uh, yeah, and, of course, you can read uh, Christie's full review at madwolf.com, uh, and that is for Punch on VOD Now. Next up is a comedy that chronicles the last year of high school as two friends set out to make the ultimate senior video. This is called Therapy Dogs. Class of 2019, you should know the truth. We were never really yearbook committee. We're going to make our own secret movie. The truth about high school. What are you filming this for? Uh, yearbook. Is there anything you'd like to say to school? Goodbye. One of the things that makes this movie more interesting than it sounds is that it is in fact made by two seniors in high school. Yeah, the uh, writer, the co-writer and director, Ethan Ang, and then the other co-writer is Justin Morris. And they are both the stars as well. Yeah, and it's very guerrilla type, very guerrilla type, because they're, as you can tell from the uh, trailer there, they're pretending that they're taking video for the, the yearbook. But no, they're making their own secret film. So there's there's some fun in that. Yeah, there is. And a lot of times, I mean, a lot of what happens, Rachel Willis reviewed this for us, and a lot of what she found was that high school seniors, especially boys, still behave exactly the same way they behaved when you were in high school, no matter when that was. <laughs> they are dumbasses, and they probably drink a lot, and they might throw up a lot, and they probably do things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and uh, But the movie has a lot of charm because of that, because mm-hmm. of its shockingly universal depiction Mm -hmm. and at the same time um your enjoyment of it is going to depend entirely upon how long you can tolerate adolescent boys (laughs) it is shocking how universal that is yeah uh, as the years have gone on and you can catch uh, rachel's full review at madwolf.com the movie is therapy dogs and it's on vod now and in some theaters really getting to some theater release all right Next is a disturbing documentary, the explosive story of America's most corrupt police unit, the Gun Trace Task Force, which terrorized the city of Baltimore. This documentary is called I Got a Monster. He's a psychopath. He's a gangster. That badge and that gun, man, cut him loose. I didn't see anybody. I only saw you guys walking up my walkway. We quickly realized that they were just robbing people left and right on the streets. I'll make a mistake. Don't touch it. He had turned into something that was not even close to being a police officer. We weren't sitting there minding our business. And then... Who are they going to believe? 
a so-called officer or a person that had a criminal history. I'm a dead man walking. The criminal justice system is built to believe the words of officers. They lied. That's what they do, man. These guys had the power to say whatever they wanted to say, and people are going to believe it. Baltimore City Police Department, they didn't care. They just wiped their hands of everything. Tori Haynes reviewed this one for us. And, you know, it delivers what you expect it to deliver. In fact, I think her only fault with the film is that while certainly there isn't a second perspective, there isn't one, she thought that the film might be stronger if we actually heard something in terms of how the this task force or their uh, their lawyer mm-hmm. defended their behavior. But it is. It's a it's a documentary with some shocking footage about the behavior of the, you know, the the Baltimore Police Department that caused such tremendous heartbreak and trouble. And it also spent some time talking to some of the victims of yeah. that unit. Yeah, and in particular, one police officer who was apparently at the, the, the ringleader of this. The director is Kevin Abrams. It's based on a book, but a, a, a harrowing story. And, and yeah, that's a good point, even though you can't imagine a, a flip side, another argument that really holds up but at least you want to hear how they're defending themselves because they did they did themselves they had to Mm -hmm. um so definitely worth worth checking out as long as you know the subject matter going in because it is uncomfortable no doubt about that and it is on uh, vod right now called i got a monster and finally a very interesting animated project next war hungry teddy bears journey from boot camp to the psychedelic terrors of the magic forest in this darkly beautiful horror animation called Unicorn Wars. Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for us. And, yeah. And it is, you know, um, horror animation is not a big, big category. And it can be strangely terrifying, mm-hmm. honestly, if you've seen Watership Down or oh, yeah. The Plague Dogs. So many people point to Watership Down, oh, yeah. seeing that when they were kids. Oh, and yeah. just doing, Oh, my God. Yeah. And now as an adult, you're like, that wasn't meant for me as a child. That is an adult film. And that's what this is as well. Even yeah. Though, and it's and it's. It's more deceptive because, unlike those other two films, the animation itself, I mean, they look like Care Bears. It's it's brightly colored, very pastel. It's unicorns and teddy bears. Yeah, and that's the thing that Schlocketeer, Daniel Baldwin, makes the point in his review that you take something just so innocent and so warm and fuzzy, um, pun intended, as teddy bears and making them the soldiers. And so you're, you're putting that right up against the horrors of war with something that you equate with just childhood good memories and just blood splattering it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a scathing satire that looks at war in all of its horror and idiocy and, um, and does it really well. You know, if anything, uh, Daniel thought that there's some, um, sexual humor that took away from the point that it was trying to make that was just uncomfortable and unnecessary. Um, and that the unicorns, which is the group that the teddy bears are fighting, mm-hmm. don't they don't really have, they're not really a character. So you only get to see one side of the battle really with any kind of a depth. So there's, but that's you're kind of nitpicking. Uh, you don't get many films like this. No, which is you to don't. say horror animation for adults. Right. And if you, if you like those, and I do. Yes. Animated fans don't don't miss it for right, sure. Right, absolutely. Yeah, this is writer director Alberto Vasquez, and that is out in theaters 
So another chance to see animation on the big screen is always a treat. Yes. So hopefully that's in your area. It's called Unicorn Wars. All right. Well, we've got a couple of weeks without getting a news update. So let's check back in to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Couple of weeks off, but we're back checking in with Daniel Baldwin, aka the Schlocketeer, in the lobby for all the latest news from the studios. What's shaking? Well, there's a Vietnamese action thriller called Furies that will premiere on Netflix on March 23rd. And then on March 28th, Avatar The Way of Water will finally hit VOD. Uh, doesn't have a streaming date yet, but my guess is it'll be on Disney Plus by the start of May. And then on March 31st, getting a little weird here, uh, there's the VOD and limited theatrical release of rubber and deerskin director Quentin DePew's latest opus, Yay. Smoking Causes Coughing. <laughs> okay. uh, this one's about a super, it's a superhero satire of Power Rangers. That's uh, a superhero team called Tobacco Force that takes <laughs> on man and, man and suit monsters, wacky robots, randy puppets, and an evil space emperor. I am in. In. Well, if you're not in already, this should push you over the edge because John Waters has given the film his stamp of approval, oh. calling it a superhero movie for idiots and one of the best films of the year. All right. <laughs> nice. Mark it down. Bold. And then there's a Chilean kung fu action flick called The Fist of the Condor hitting VOD on April 4th, followed by a streaming premiere on Haya on April 7th. That's the martial arts-centric streaming service. And that one stars DTV action star Marco Zoror, who will be heavily showcased in John Wick 4 later this month. So if someone people want to catch up on, on his stuff beforehand, that would be a good place to start. So so the martial arts-centered streaming service is called Haya. Yes, it is. Right. It's owned by Wogo USA. That's the great. Distributor. That's yep. great. Oh, I love it. It's a lot of good stuff on there, actually. Haya. <laughs> and then... Uh, Sony has pushed the release of their Russell Crowe horror film, The Pope's Exorcist, back by one week to Why? April 14th. Don't they know? Don't they know? Why do they push that back? They're going to make you wait longer <gasps> for your Catholic horror fix. Nice. <laughs> and a few, yeah. <laughs> a few weeks later, a few weeks later on uh, April 28th, there's the theatrical release of Rare Exports and Big Dream, Big Game director Jamari Hillander's finish. World War II Nazi exploitation action movie Sisu, which looks pretty awesome. That I know you all have seen the trailer for that. Trailer looks amazing. It does. It really I cannot does. wait to watch that movie. Yeah, it does. And then also on April twenty eighth, there's the Disney Plus premiere of David Lowry's Peter Pan and Wendy, the Shutter premiere of Supernatural horror film From Black, and the Hulu premiere of a psychological thriller called Clock. So that'll be a busy weekend. Busy. And then that's all the news I have for you, but I do have one streaming recommendation. There was a uh, British martial arts comedy that came out last year called Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday that is great. No one got to see it. It's on Hulu now, so if anyone wants to watch it, that's a good place to go and see it. And just like uh, Fist of the Condor, it stars one of the uh, bigger DTV action stars right now, Scott Atkins, who is also in John Wick 4. Uh-huh. So. Little well, homework for people. There. It all comes back to John Wick <laughs> it 4, does. doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. All right. Thanks as always. You can keep up with the latest though by following Daniel on the socials at the Schlocketeer. Thanks a bunch. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we go and talk about next week, let's talk about this weekend. Sunday night, the Oscars. As far as predictions go, well, we we have our our, our fearless predictions up. That's right. In a uh, story right now, a blog up at madwolf.com. But 
the quickest ways to pick the categories that everything everywhere all at once is not going to win right. because right now all signs are pointing to it winning movie mm-hmm. it winning director act, director actress best supporting actor best supporting actress and probably original screenplay yeah pro- it now doesn't have a nominee for best actor so no. it can't win that right. we're going with Brendan Fraser we are going with Brendan Fraser that's close that is that's a close one uh, we also, I mean, we do think Jamie Lee Curtis is going to win for Best Supporting Actress, but we would not be surprised if Angela Bassett. Th- that's the, that's I a think, close one, that's too. That's very neck and neck. And yeah. I think also for lead actor, Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell. I think mm-hmm. maybe not as that's twice a, yeah. as, as close as Bassett and Jamie Lee Curtis, but those are the two closest yeah. races. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's looking like a big, big night for everything, everywhere, all at once. And it, it should be an interesting telecast as well. I'm really interested to see how the ratings hold up because now this year you've got three big hit movies yeah. nominated for Best Picture, and that's what people have always said they wanted. Right. And and we'll see. I'm looking forward to the two guys from RRR yes. singing that song. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I want to well, see dancing. the dancing. It's the dance that I'm looking forward to. I want to yeah. see him flying through the air on ropes. Yep. Because I want to see a tiger sh- get thrown at someone. Because we do think that song is going to win Best Original yeah. Song. That's that's our pick for that one. We think... Um, All Quiet on the Western Front is for the... International def- Film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, although I would love to see The Quiet Girl win. Right. But I think all signs are pointing to All, All Quiet, Quiet on, on the Western, Western Front, Front as well. Sure. Best- I'm really hopeful that Best Adapted Screenplay goes to Sarah Polly yes, for, for Women Talking. And I think there's a good chance of that happening. I think so, too. I think um, Best uh, Animated Film is probably going to be Guillermo del Toro. Pinocchio. Yeah. Think that's Man, good... we've said this before. This was good. an incredible year for animation. Good year for animation. I, you know, I, I think that that's going to win. I hope it's going to win, but it wouldn't make me sad for any of those five. They're all I good. loved all five of those movies. Really good year for animation. For documentary, I think this is close, too. We're picking all that breathes. It, it could be it could be any of them, really. Right. I, it's it's right. really tough, but I'm I'm just sort of a gut feels like uh, all that breathes. Same with uh, best original score. I'm going with um, Babylon right. uh, for that one. So, we shall see, but all in all, right now, it's looking like a big night for everything, everywhere, all at once, as really most of the award shows have been. Yeah. <laughs> big nights for that group. That's right. So uh, we shall see on Sunday night. And it's w- lucky that the, all everybody involved in that film is so charming that they it's are. fun to watch them on these award shows. Yeah, exactly. Everybody loves uh, everybody right now on <laughs> everything and everything, every, everywhere. So we'll see that Sunday night. And then looking ahead to next week, uh, the new Shazam. We like the first one, Shazam Part 2, called Fury of the Gods, is coming out. And it has... Helen Mirren. Yeah. And then also one we watched a couple of weeks ago that we enjoyed a lot, Boston Strangler. Yep, that's out. Also, the new one from Willem Dafoe. This sounds very interesting, called Inside. Yeah, Magician's Elephant, which will be on Netflix. A movie called Leave. And one called Are You Lonesome Tonight? All right, that's next week. But uh, until then, we've got the Oscars Sunday. We've got Scream this weekend, 65, The Quiet Girl Champions, and more. What do you think? We'd love to talk about any of that. Keep the conversation going easily with us on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, also on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, other fun stuff, including our official Oscar predictions and our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club, which we're going to tape a new one of those tonight. That's right. We are. By the way, all that is at MadWolf.com. So keep in touch if you can. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the movies. Enjoy the Oscars. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.